0: Where our journey in Mark takes us next to Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. Title is Compromise or Sectarianism. Like last week, um, I enter our time together in God's Word and I not quite... Settled, not quite happy with where I've arrived in my study and my time to present for you. That happens sometimes in the pastor's labor in the word. We'll trust the Holy Spirit to overcome any weakness I have and that God would be glorified. I'm finishing up a class at the Grace Seminary, my first class. That I've had with them. It's been a blessing, been a joy. It's also been fun to have a New Testament theologian as my teacher who is a published author because I think all of us fellow students in the classroom um, have the same thought. Boy, we've got this accomplished scholar in front of us. We're going to just um, nail him with our questions. And so it is rather comical, all the rabbit trails, he'll start on a lecture and will come with some somewhat related question to what he's starting to talk about. And the next thing we know, five minutes have passed by, maybe 10 minutes have passed by and we've got to regain. Well, where were we originally? Well, is we are in this passage of scripture in Mark, I feel like um, this is a similar situation last week. Jesus asked his disciples a question. He um, asked them what they were arguing about on the way to their location. And they remained silent because they had been arguing about who was the greatest. And so Jesus calls them to himself, sits down in a position of teacher, and he begins to teach. And he gives them a lesson on greatness. And that's what we dealt with last week. Well, as far as we can tell from the context, this teaching session is still going on. But the Apostle John says, hey, I want to ask you about something. And so John brings up a scenario. And so this is, in some way, some fashion, it's a related Concept to what they'd already been talking about. And so we're going to bear that in mind as we move into today. So when we talk about compromise or sectarianism. Compromise has historically been a big concern among churches in our country over the last 100 years. Especially those who are faithful to God's word. In fact this is why that is why our church here started in 1939 the way many independent churches started in this country because many of the denominational churches were starting to give up their firm stance upon God's word and they were beginning to compromise so when we talk about compromises who do we work together with and what are the boundaries And when do we work against somebody? Sectarianism is a fancy word. Belonging to a particular sect or a group of people that holds certain perspectives. Comes a time when a particular sect has strong opinions or strong beliefs around a certain set of ideas that causes them to divide from other people. Usually this is used in a negative way because a sect often is dividing upon lines that they should not divide over. An example in the scripture here in Acts chapter 11 is, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. If you read chapter 10, it's a beautiful chapter, the book of Acts, where through God's leading, it became very clear that the gospel was offered to the Gentiles as well. So here you have an example of a sect, of a party of believers who were trying to draw a a dividing line that God was saying was no longer necessary. So as we deal with compromise or sectarianism, two extremes, two opposites. As I deal and try to define these things this morning, I hope that will help us as we deal with our text today. It's it's hard to apply, not because it isn't clear, but because it's, for me, a challenge this morning. So I, I will start with prayer as we begin. And pray the Lord will lead us. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us this morning and give us direction. Give us clarity. Pray that you'd overcome my weakness. And Spirit, I pray that you would drive home the lessons that you would have us to take away with this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first of all this morning, practicing exclusivity. Practicing exclusivity. Say exclusivity five times really fast together. It feels like a tongue twister just to say it once. Mark chapter 9. We've arrived at our text today. Mark chapter 9 and verse 38. John said to him, that is Jesus. Remember, they're still in this circle around Jesus, and he is their teacher at this moment. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. This here that John just spoke about was a confusing situation. Imagine what it would look like to try to stop someone from casting out a demon. Here, this is, in the original, it's an imperfect tense. So it's the idea of, they attempted to, they made an effort to hinder, to stop, to prohibit this man casting out the demon. It's not emphasizing that they were successful, it's emphasizing that they were making an effort to stop him. So, here, did Jesus' disciples see what was about to happen? We're trying to imagine here, get this situation in our head. Do they see what was about to happen and then walk up and speak against this man before he went through with it? Did it result in an argument? Maybe this is why John brought this up here, because Jesus had asked them what they were arguing about on the way, and maybe this made him think of a previous argument they had had with this man. Imagine this would-be exorcist, in response to the disciples who had just tried to stop him. What do you mean I can't cast out this demon in Jesus' name? Why not? In trying to figure out what the criteria was, the reasoning was that he was not allowed to do this. Now, exorcism is not a common discussion day for many in God's church. It is, perhaps in some mission fields, I don't know if it's something that Annabeth has had to talk about on the mission field, but I know in some mission fields it is a topic of discussion. But here, let's just try to make it a little bit bigger picture here. What is happening It is confusing when God's people work against each other when they should be working together. I think if I can apply the big big idea here, that's what's happening here. Is that God's people were working against each other when they should have been working together. Now I want to be clear here. What we're talking about is different than maintaining sound doctrine. The rest of the New Testament. In several places, makes it clear there is a time to stand firm against people, to work against, to prohibit, to challenge, to argue, to divide. But here, this is not what we are talking about today. And I will acknowledge that it is difficult for us to sort through these manners. For some people the question is, well, what is sound doctrine? And, wh- and how f- far do I have to go on my agreement before I must divide? We're not going to be able to resolve those questions today. The emphasis of Jesus' words are different. But this also done, also brings up the idea of what it means to relate to other Christ followers in our group that is what we're trying to deal with today the reason why Jesus's disciples sought to stop this would-be exorcist quote was because he's not following us didn't say not following Jesus. It said not following us, not in our group, not under our influence and under our control. I'm trying to get the way of thinking here. This, uh, this for me was a challenge. Seems to be because someone else was not in their group, but they were doing good things in Jesus' name. They felt a need to stop them, to work against them. But as I think perhaps of maybe a more understandable thing for me is this concept of rivalry in ministry. We dealt a little bit with that last week. It is amazing the, the jealousies the petty rivalries, the ambitions that people can have in their service to Christ that causes unhealthy and regrettable results. And last week we looked at Philippians in chapter 1, and Paul referenced that. Evidently there were some jealousies concerning Paul, and so people as they sought to serve Christ, sought, sought to minimize Paul's ministry and Paul's reputation and maximize their own. Whatever the reasons were in the hearts of the disciples here, it seems that it was connected to this conversation of greatness that they were just having. And I suppose why this is maybe hard for me to grasp is because... In our own hearts, when we're working with other people in God's kingdom, it can just be confusing sometimes. Confusing for us to sort out our own motivations. Confusing to sort out who is truly a follower of Christ and who is not. And sometimes that's even the case even within our own families. The question is well, are we compromising or are we being unhealthily sectarian? And so there is a a spot, a place, a condition, a perspective that can be unhealthy. And how we draw our lines. In the case of our text today, that was what was happening with the disciples. They were drawing lines that were unhealthy. So, practicing exclusivity. And then, next, a model for unity. Mark chapter 9, verse 39. But Jesus said, do not stop him. John had said, we tried to stop him, but Jesus answered and said, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly... I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So here again, Jesus, in response to the exclusivity of his disciples, said, do not stop him. So I'm stating the obvious here, but there comes a point in our lives and in our ministry and following Jesus To where perhaps Jesus is saying to us through advice, through counsel, through his word, through times of prayer. You are working against my people when you should not. That is a consideration for us. As we consider what this means for us. Next, let's look at the fact that here Jesus was broadening out the disciples. The disciples here were more exclusive, more narrow than Jesus. And so as we consider just the plain meaning for us once again, that can happen in our own hearts and how we are serving and relating to other people in God's kingdom. We can seek to serve Jesus and yet our we more exclusive than what Jesus is. There is, as the title alludes to, um, a proclivity, a tendency towards the extremes of trying to be too sectarian, too exclusive, too narrow, On one side, and on the other side, moving towards compromise and not standing on the truth the way you should. And it is only through our walk with the Lord and our humble, our humility in keeping our eyes on His Word and through our prayer and through walking in the Spirit that we are able to have the strength to stay on center. Within our hearts, there usually tends to be a pull for one direction or the other. Now, here's the ironic thing and the complexity of our hearts. There are, we might have an overriding tendency to one direction or the other, but then on certain arenas of our life or certain issues, we might go the, tend to go the opposite way. So we can have that going on in our life. We definitely need the power of the spirit and the word of God in our lives to keep us on center. So Jesus here offers three parts as a model for unity or for how to handle the disciples' unhealthy exclusivity. Now, this is not all the teaching of the New Testament, um, but it is what Jesus deemed appropriate in response to the unhealthy exclusivity of his disciples. So the first thing he says is, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterward speak evil of me. These are broad principles in response to the disciples' exclusivity. And there is a reality that God's people become unnecessarily exclusive and work against other of God's children. Now, what are the boundaries of this? This, this for me, is, is fuzzy. It's um, hard for me to sort out. And um, for some reason, I, I had added some other text here. I think it was from Matthew 7, but I didn't make it into slides There is a a portion of scripture in Matthew 7 to where there at the end, in judgment, there are some who say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. But here, he is saying, for someone who is doing work in my name, will not soon afterward be able to speak evil of me. So Jesus is connecting here that somebody who is bearing fruit and ministering in Jesus' name, there is some connection to their legitimacy and their calling in following Christ. And so as a basis, a beginning point for evaluating an unhealthy exclusivity, if there seems within, as you look at someone else's ministry, you see that there is, they are bearing fruit. And that God is working through them to accomplish his will. And in this case, it's a very obvious issue of exorcism. Clearly, Satan is not going to cast out Satan. And so clearly, God has given them the ability to cast out a demon, and so clearly they are of God's children. And so there is a connection here as we evaluate an unhealthy exclusivity that perhaps we're struggling with the other person because we were not sure that they're truly right in everything they do in ministry, or perhaps it's because of a jealousy, or perhaps it's because of a disagreement. All these confusing factors that go into evaluating who is authentic and who is not. But Jesus makes plain here that we can look at the fact that God is truly working through this other person, even if we have question marks We need to be careful that we are not unhealthily exclusive in how we interact and portray that person or work with or work against that person. Oh, there's the slides. I'm sorry. They were there. Okay. Second reason that Jesus gave... For the one who is not against us is for us. Again, this feels fuzzy. It's, it's a hard. And I think I just keep on coming back to the point of that as we, as we don't know each other's hearts and our own motivations are sometimes confusion or Where is the dividing line in ministry is very often confusing for God's people. We need to at least go back to the basics that Jesus is giving here. We need to be very careful to work against folks if they seem to be living for Christ and following Christ. You be very, very careful on that. The third reason that Jesus gives, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Here, we're moving from this great, very amazing work of God, a mighty work, a miracle that was performed of exorcism to perhaps a much simpler, plainer act in serving Christ. And so lest we perhaps make the mistake of, well, you know, obviously exorcism is following Christ. Jesus takes it down to something even more basic that even somebody who's doing a simple matter in the name of Christ for the sake of Christ should be counted as somebody who is working for Him and somebody that we should not work against which indirectly this is an encouragement for all the simple things we do in life and ministry for christ jesus makes it clear that he doesn't overlook those things and that he will reward those things so many simple acts of kindness and service and for the sake of christ that we do that many people don't know about and as a way of reacting to the unhealthy exclusivity of his disciples, he's making plain, even, plain that even these simple matters of service to Christ for his sake matter and that they are a part of his family as well. The New Testament, as I mentioned before, gives many other things for us to consider in this matter of unity. But here in direct response to an unhealthy exclusivity, Jesus offers these three matters of criteria for us to evaluate as we make our way through what to me is a very confusing thing to sort through sometimes. So practicing exclusivity and then a model for unity. And just a couple points of application for us today. Ask God if you have an unhealthy exclusivity in your heart. So much goes into our hearts on a day to day basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, with concerns for our church, with concerns for our. Ministry of the gospel to others with concerns with other believers in town who we have disagreements with. And perhaps we are fairly confident that our disagreement with other believers in town, that we are on the right side. Have you considered that perhaps you are right, but your heart is unhealthy? in your exclusivity? Exclusivity? That can happen. We can be right on issues, but have an unhealthy heart in our exclusivity. Do you have a humble heart towards other people outside of our church? A heart that cultivates unity amongst God's universal church. Again, there is a time to stand firm, to fight, to contend for the faith, as other parts of the New Testament talk about. But this part of the New Testament, this text, is pointing out that we can also have an unhealthy exclusivity, and Jesus gives us a model for how to handle that. I'll trust the Holy Spirit to mop up where I've been weak this morning and let's spend a few minutes and respond to the Lord in prayer.